The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm sure this will be a winning one, but talk about winners. Winning Ponies is where you want to be because they had a big announcement today just in time for the upcoming Belmont Stakes. Uh, They have a new feature not only for their members but for the general public. Uh, the uh, features, the enhancement to their handicapping site is that they're going to now have real-time results. I mean, it's just like you're at the racetrack. They're going to be on the website, uh, which will accompany other previous released real-time features. You know, they've had real-time track conditions, real-time entry changes. Well, this takes it to a whole nother level, and luckily you'll get to get there by the time we get to the Belmont Stakes. Uh, James Messery who's the president and co-founder of Winning Ponies, said that the, the integration of the real-time results in the handicapping is unprecedented. Uh, it aligns with our corporate goal of complete transparency to our st- site visitors. Unlike some of our competition, we want our visitors to know exactly how our analytics perform across the tracks and dates. So you'll get to see that uh, the information that they're giving you to try to point you to the winners is actually happening then, there, and now. So you can browse completely through the results at every track covered over the past year if you want to. Seconds after a race goes official, the selections are updated with the results of the race. And you'll instantly uh, see if we have any big ins, as we like to call them, which are the big payoffs, using the Winning Ponies Easy Win form. So uh, just a, a great idea, and I'm glad they got it done. Uh, the real-time results are going to fit perfectly uh, with our prorated pricing policy. Uh, members could view the result, early results on the car, but they'd be delayed by one or two races. Not anymore. It's real-time, ladies and gentlemen, and you're getting it from winning ponies well of course uh, what you got last saturday was a big old eyeful of california chrome and before i get ahead of myself i just want to tell you that on the show later today at the bottom of the hour uh, we're going to have byron king one of my favorite guests from the daily racing forum who was covering the preakness stakes uh, he's going to give us uh, his view of california chrome and uh, chances in the upcoming belmont stakes uh, and also, we're going to have for from the Kentucky Horse Racing School, Sam Gooding is going to be with us, a very interesting uh, school located in the Lexington area. Well, what can I say? California Chrome did exactly what we predicted he would do. As a matter of fact, came up with the try and the super, though I just wish that General A-Rod at 20 to 1 would have passed a fast-fading Social inclusion, who sent off at five to one, would have made for a much better trifecta and superfecta. 
but nonetheless uh, put put in a big run there at the end. Of course, California Chrome held off the, the late charge of ride on Curlin, who, sad to say, won't be going in the Belmont Stakes. We'll get to that a little bit later in the broadcast. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's uh, just a fantastic story. We had Chris McCarron on last year, telling us last week, telling us about uh, Art Sherman and his relationship with him, what a class act he was. It was a record Preakness crowd of 123,469. California Chrome only paid $3, but who cared? A lot of people didn't cash those tickets. They kept them as souvenirs. So that was his sixth straight win, and he now has a chance to become the sport's 12th Triple Crown winner. Don't forget, uh, it goes back to Affirmed, and uh, since then, 12 horses before California Chrome have had a chance to win the Preakness Derby, and Belmont, and did not get it done. Some didn't even make the race. So, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a huge day. I believe there's about $8 million in uh, stakes that are going to be available. Uh, A lot of people were talking about the cough of California Chrome. Art Sherman said it was nothing. It turned out to be nothing. Uh, We will uh, review all of that with Byron King uh, at the bottom of the hour. So it looks like uh, he's already at Belmont Stakes. He's been over the track. And uh, things are going well. We've knocked his pedigree. And uh, what can I say? The way he's blown away the other three-year-olds, he looks awfully, awfully impressive. Can he get it done? We'll find out. But one thing was the New York Racing Association kind of said horses can't race in New York if they have a nasal strip. And, of course, he races with a nasal strip. So uh, there was a bit of a controversy earlier in the week, and Art Sherman's kind of, I think, pushed their hand. He said, you know what, with my owners, the way these guys are, if they have to make a change of equipment, if they could be a little bit superstitious, they might just go to the Los Alamitos Derby and just pass on the Belmont. Well, things changed rather quickly. They took a look at the rules book and said, well, we've had this rule, but there's no reason that we can't really let a horse do this. We've just enforced it that way. So California Chrome will be allowed to wear the nasal strip when he tries to win the Triple Crown at the Belmont. Again, that will be June 7th. So he got only two weeks rest coming up to Preakness. Now he'll get three but I'm so happy that the Naira stewards ruled that he can, in fact, race with it. Uh, they checked with uh, the equine medical director, Dr. Scott Palmer, who said that he recommended the stewards that uh, racetracks uh, discontinue their ban on nasal strips. He says strips do not enhance equine performance, nor do they pose a risk to the equine health or safety, and uh, it really doesn't need to be uh, regulated. So I'm uh, really glad that that, in fact, uh, that, in fact, has been the ruling. Well, it looks like uh, Danza will not be making his late run at California Chrome at, uh, at Belmont. Uh, even he came home and rolled home in the Arkansas Derby and looked awful good in the Kentucky Derby where he ran third. Uh, Todd Pletcher said he worked very well the other day, but he just wasn't happy the way he looked the day after. And he says, he, I just sense that he's not 100%. And if he's not 100%, he's going to send him back to the Peyton Training Center in Ocala, give him some diagnostics, and give him some time off. So uh, he's done uh, rather well. He's amassed earnings of $866,000. So he gets a little bit of a break, and he'll be back. 
dodged a bullet here with one of our greatest horses in racing last week. Wise Dan is recovering after having colic surgery. It was very minor at that, but as you know, colic is one of the leading killers of thoroughbred horses, and uh, he's already, within the week, it happened uh, about a week ago, uh, that they had to take him to Rudin Rilla Equine Hospital, and he is already back at Charlie Lapresti's barn. They thought that he dropped maybe 50 pounds or something. They said he's lucky if he lost 5 to 10 pounds. Uh, there is a video up uh, on the... I believe the blood horse taken by Claire Novak and shows him getting off the van back at Lepresti's barn, and he looks just fantastic. He came off, posed for the camera, hand for the camera. So two-time horse of the year, Wise Dan. Looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, We'll keep you tuned to exactly what his schedule will be. Obviously, he's going to be off for several weeks or months uh, coming up to some efforts, but they do believe that he can come back in the fall. So that is some very, very good news on the thoroughbred front. All right, let's uh, move forward now to a pat on the back to the cat. Trainer Wayne Catalano got career win 2,500 this week, and it was his uh, son-in-law, Channing Hill, who brought the horse home for him. Of course, Catalano, 11 times he's won the title at Arlington. Earlier in the day, he picked up winner number 2,499 when Treasury Bill won an allowance race at Churchill Downs. So congratulations to Wayne Catalano. What a feat. It's one thing for a jockey, you get 2,500, but for a trainer, not easy. So congratulations to the cat. Also, Good news uh, coming out of the Larry Jones barn. Uh, as you know, that he suffered a uh, spill. A two-year-old bucked him off. Uh, he had some bleeding on the brain, but he is uh, coming back, and he's coming back fast. He's been around the barn. He's been around the shed row. Uh, he says he's through trying to play with two-year-olds, <laughs> and but uh, chances are uh, he will come back and gallop his own horses. He is one of those horse, uh, trainers that does that. Uh, but he took quite a hit. He had fractured ribs, a bruised lung, uh, in addition to the bleeding on the brain, a concussion. Uh, he went into intensive care, but uh, there, there, was, there was no surgery. So Larry Jones, one of the very, very good guys in the sport. Uh, we're so happy to, to see him back. Whether or not he gallops another horse, we don't care, but he's working around the barn, and it's just good to have a guy like Larry Jones back in the game. All right, let's uh, look backwards a little bit here before we talk to uh, Sam Gooding, our fair farrier. And uh, I hope you got to watch on Friday two races we handicapped last week on Winning Ponies. The Pimlico special was very special. The horse I liked, Revolutionary, I would have torn my tickets up at the quarter pole. Unbelievable. He rallied from 20 lengths out of it went wide. Mike Smith gets him up, four of them across the track with about 40 yards left, and he gets up by a neck over Prayer for Relief and Cat Burglar. If you haven't seen it, go back and find it. The Pimlico special last week was just fantastic. Again, that was the day before the Preakness, as was the Black-Eyed Susan. It's kind of their version of the Kentucky Oaks down there in Maryland. And it was Stop Charging Maria from Rapoli Stable. Uh, It it turned into a really good two-horse race down the lane. Had to fight to get the job done, but won the half-a-million-dollar Black-Eyed Susan. It was one heck of a race. Uh, Stop Charging Maria. 
returned 960 for the win. Uh, she uh, got the win over Vero Amore, who was second, while Fortunate Pearl paid 580 for the show. Okay, well, it, again, we was a big race week in racing, and at Pimlico they had several graded stakes races. Uh, kicking off earlier in the day was the Maryland Sprint Handicap, a grade three, and making a lot of people happy was Happy My Way, who won by five and three-quarter links as the odds-on favorite. Second was Lemon Drop Dream, and third was Service for 10. Then the next graded stakes race on the Pimlico card was the Gallaret. And the winner, you'll remember this horse from the Kentucky Oaks, Somali Lemonade, just a slight favorite, got up to win by a half a length, trained by Michael Matz, Somali Lemonade, won over number 10, What's the Chances, an Irish bred, and it was pretty much a two-horse race. It was seven and a quarter lengths back to Triple Arch. And then uh, on a good turf, they had some bad weather. They took the earlier races off the grass, but on the good turf, in the grade two Dixie, the winner was Utley, who went five wide with Edgar Prado. Jonathan Shepard's the trainer. This is an Augustan homebred. Uh, good to see them always in the winner's circle. Utley recording his sixth lifetime win. Always like to see Edgar Prado in the saddle aboard a winner. Uh, second by a nose was Hey Leroy over Shamio. Well, uh, again, we're going to try to present racing from all sides and coming up with us as they say no hoof no horse and so it takes a very special person to handle the work of a farrier or a horseshoer and we're going to be talking to sam gooding a man who is not only an expert horseshoer himself but passes that trade on to people that want to get into the business it's not an easy job i can tell you that folks we're going to take a little bit of a break we'll be right back with sam gooding you're listening to winning ponies to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me right now is a gentleman by the name of Sam Gooding. Now, um, I got a call a couple of weeks ago from a guy by the name of Joe Police. Sounds like a cartoon character, but it's not. And he, he read an article of mine. He said, hey, you ought to come out and do a story on our Kentucky Horseshoeing School. And uh, Sam Gooding is a, uh, an instructor there. Uh, he comes there, as I'm told, with exceptional skills. Uh, he uh, actually graduated from the Kentucky Horse Racing School back in 1996. Uh, he served as an apprentice under some uh, very top horseshoers, as I'm sure we will learn about. As a matter of fact, uh, there's even some uh, farrier competition. Uh, he was on the horseshoeing team back in 2005 and placed in the top ten. Uh, so I won't, uh, I won't belabor all of his, his reputation, but just as uh, we have uh, spoken to, uh, to Chris McCarran, and knowing that North America needed a, a jockey school, uh, horse racing over the decades was kind of something that the apprenticeships weren't official, but somebody would kind of hook up w- w- with a farrier and learn the trade, and they watched these guys into their 50s and 60s and eventually would you know, t- kind of take over. Uh, it, it, it's an amazing thing to watch. It, it's almost as acute as a, as a surgical procedure because if you're off – by a sixteenth of an inch, that horse may not race for for weeks or a month. Of a very very important part of thoroughbred racing and really any kind of equine development. So, uh, with no further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Sam Gooding. Sam, I'm glad you could join us this evening. Well, thank you for having us. I appreciate you guys uh, you guys uh, entertaining our ideas. <laughs> well, uh, like I said, you know, in days gone by, uh, old school, somebody would, would hook up with a farrier, but now there's an actual formal way to, to do it. Now, the, the Kentucky Horse Shoeing School, you've gone full circle. You went through it, then you became a farrier, and now you come back and you're teaching the students. Is that correct? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's a huge, uh, it's been a huge, what, what I felt like, responsibility to the trade and to the industry and uh, it's been very fulfilling to do to do that it's been quite a journey and i feel honored to be able to uh hand back uh, what little bit of knowledge i think i have to to up and coming farriers yes sir well i i, I could say this that uh, you know in in watching the farriers i know it is back breaking work it can be dangerous um but the guys that get it down, I don't know, what is it? You know, they always say certain jockeys like Cawthon and Shoemaker, they had this touch with their hands. Uh, what's the aura that, that a good farrier gets that when he walks down a shed row with a horse or into a stall, that somehow he's able to relate to him so he doesn't end up getting cow kicked? Absolutely. There's, there's always just a, a, a personal connection between the horse that you're working on and yourself, uh, 
that, uh, you know, if you're not in tune, if your mind's somewhere else, it doesn't take but just a moment. And uh, whether you're shoeing them or you're tacking them up or you're feeding them or you're just cleaning the stall, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know. So, But with us dealing directly with the feet, it seems to be just a little bit more intimate because uh, in a split second, things go from good to bad. And uh, when they go bad, a lot of times we end up on the bottom. So uh, <laughs> you always have to be watching what you're doing, you know. But for the most part, the, the seasoned veterans of the industry – they they can feel it. They anticipate it. They know it's coming. They know to get out of the way before things get too bad, you know. And that's what that's what keeps the horses calm to begin with is knowing when to when to pull out and when to hang on, you know. So uh, the top well, guys around the Dan, track, it, they, it, they it, get it's around. It's such them. an interesting profession. What what turned the light on for you? What was your aha moment where you said, you know, I think I'm going to give this a try. Well, you know, to be honest with you, it came down to not wanting to go to college. It came down to uh, being being a hands-on individual, being the the guy that liked to be outside and loved horses. And, uh, you know, as a 16-year-old kid, you know, I had a choice to make when I graduated uh, from high school to to either learn how to do something to make a living or, or continue schooling. And school, schooling was just not an option. So uh, at 16, I started my horseshoeing career uh, under Mitch Taylor here at Kentucky Horseshoeing School. And how did you find out about it and describe to our listeners the process of the courses that you go through? Well, the back then, now we're talking almost 20 years ago, so, uh, you know, it was... Not not quite as intense of a study program as what it is today, uh, but but at at that time it was as simple as I found an ad in a Western Horseman and uh, and I said well that looks like a good deal I think I could do that and I love horses love being outside so I went and tried it well I did enjoy it. I did love it and uh, I haven't looked back but uh, you know the 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 difference between then and now is uh, what what Kentucky horsing has become is. It's it's much more elite. We've we've tried to set our, ourselves apart from other farrier schools, which are still kind of in that same that same uh, time setting, if you will, as what we were 20 years ago. Uh, we've tried to progress into to a little bit longer, a slower process to get to the finished product, so that the students have a better understanding when they leave out the door of what's going on, and uh, and and a better capability of doing what what needs to be done. We're talking with Sam Gooding from the Kentucky Horseshoeing School, and uh, just a fantastic website. And it's just it's KentuckyHorseshoeingSchool dot com. Pretty easy, uh, but there's some great segments to look there and uh, to, to learn about the school. Uh, describe to me. Let's say if I wanted my son to go to the school. Um, I, I noticed that you have different lengths of your programs, two weeks, 12 weeks, 24 weeks, 36 weeks. Um, obviously, I'm not going to learn how to, how to be a farrier in 12 weeks. Uh, what, what's, what's the recommended time? Is, 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 are the shorter weeks kind of brush up things or to see if somebody actually wants to, uh, to, to do it? Well, the the 12-week course is, is mainly a survey course. It's for the, for the individual who's not sure, doesn't want to fully commit, uh, and, and, you know, they just want to see what it's all about. Uh, honestly, most people that go through the 12-week program, within a few weeks, they're like, okay, this is it or this is not it. And they're, they're already in there saying, what do I got to do to stay another 24 weeks after this is up? Uh, for those people that it was, you know, it's not quite for me, they, they do. They move on, and they didn't have that, that nine months' worth of, this is really not what I want to do, you know. So uh, that, that's basically what the 12-week course offers, a good survey a lot of guys do come through it that already have uh, apprenticeships or internships 
you know, set up and they just want to get introduced uh, to the trade in a little bit more formal fashion. A guy wanting to start out, my recommendation is go get hooked up with somebody in your area. Go go ride with somebody uh, and, and see what it's all about before you just fully invest both financially, emotionally, and, and physically to this trade. You may see that it's it's not what you want to do, and you can save yourself and us a whole lot of time and uh, and, and yourself a whole lot of money, you know. So the best thing to do is always to, to, to do your homework. Find somebody that, that would be willing to take you on, even after a nine-month program. You need connections. You need more people. You need You need the elite in the trade to help you to become one of the elite. We just get your foot in the door. We, we just help you to become introduced to the trade, and we give you a, a very fundamental, you know, building block of, of introducing you to the trade. So even in nine months, you're not a professional farrier, not by any means. No, no, and, and that's the way I've always seen it. You know, the, the guys I know that, uh, you know, are older farriers usually have a young guy working with them, and sometimes I'll come back in a couple of weeks and say, hey, what happened to Rudy? And they'll say, he said he just couldn't. Couldn't go the road, you know. Yes. Um, yes. Another thing I've heard, you know, one time I was talking to uh, Joe Schrage, he's a farrier in the Cincinnati area, he, and I, there was a couple guys around, he was shoeing a horse, and he says, you know, the most important guy in this stall is right now? Of course, thinking it was him. I said, who? He said, the guy holding the horse. The guy said, holding the horse. They have a lot Always to is. do with how yeah. you get your job done. Yes, sir, absolutely. And, uh, and that's part of this program, too, is because of... Uh, the way we way we work out in the field is one student always has to hold the horse and one student has to, is is working on the horse you know um it's 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 very crucial that they take that that part of the job very seriously because you can get hurt pretty quick like you say so the guy holding the horse is crucial it makes or breaks your job a lot of the time well um joe i know, i know that you uh, and obviously um most farriers are exposed to numerous breeds uh, they all need need your care. This show is kind of specific to thoroughbreds. Uh, yes. And let's face it, they are high-tuned, ready-to-roll athletes. Are, are thoroughbreds a little bit tougher to, to shod than, let's say, uh, a Tennessee walker or a paint or a quarter horse? Uh, when, well, I mean, they all have their, their own little specifics, you know, and to say one might be tougher to shoe than the other, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, uh, categorize it that way. I think I think they all have their own unique style that they that they perform their best in. Uh, the basics always prevail, though, and that's one of the things that we just try to pound into anybody that comes through the doors. Every shoe job has this, and without this, you won't succeed. Now, whether you go into the into the thoroughbred industry or you go into you know the walking horse or the quarter horse, you know it doesn't matter. These basics are in every job that is done, and that cannot be exempt. From any job, so uh, it's it's you know it's all about the foundation. It's all about the basics, and and without that, you won't excel. No matter what gimmick you try to buy into, the basics have to be applied to every every discipline. So the resources, uh, even within that industry, I mean, you have the thoroughbred mares, you have the brood mares, you have the foals, you have the yearlings, you have the two-year-olds that are on the track, and then you have the you know kind of your 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 retired ones that we do that we do most of our work on the retired ones so it's it's still thoroughbreds and but it's just a little bit different the basics are always in every job though well i noticed that in some of your instructional things some of the photos in the background while interviews are going on uh, you still have the anvil uh, you still have the, the 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 fire going i guess what some people don't realize is just like raising kids 
one shoe does not fit all. I mean, horses' feet change, and you've got to, you've got to change with them. And that's Absolutely. the reason why I, I take it that you shape your own shoes to some extent. Absolutely. Well, we 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 introduce every student into shoemaking. Uh, they have to make their shoes. They don't just get to get to go to the store and buy them. You have to learn how to make them from a raw piece of stock, and that helps. It, it's uh, and you'll hear a lot of guys in maybe in not picking on the thoroughbreds, uh, the the track guys, but there's, there's no money in the fire. Well, not in what they're doing. I can understand that and I respect that because what they do is is a specialized. Uh, type of shoeing, which doesn't require that every day. Um, granted, without those skills, go a lot of those guys don't excel at what they do. So uh, I bet if you backed them into a corner and you lit a fire, every one of those guys is, would perform at, at a at a high standard. Uh, without that ability, you don't you don't get the basics covered. And so you know they may not do it every day, but they they guaranteed I, I'd almost guarantee they could do it if they needed to. So. You know, it's a, it's not just about shaping the shoe, but it's about fitting that shoe to that foot to, to optimize that horse's performance. So, absolutely, the anvils, the fires, they're they're involved in everyday activity. I I, I think that's fantastic. You know, I just, I think every photographer should have to go back and do black and white photography uh, to really appreciate the dark room and appreciate everything that goes into uh, to a final print. And it sounds like that this is very very similar to it to to understand the whole process and not just be handed a, a, a modern science tool and say, okay, that's I'll take right. it from here. That's right. Yes, yes. You can't um, reinvent the wheel. That's that's one thing about this trade is. There's a lot of fads. There's a lot of gimmicks that that come and go. And uh, if you try to just grab on to the next and the latest and the greatest, you eventually run out of that. And and when it when it all comes down to it, it's the basics. And the guys that are performing at the top, they they have the basics down. The guys that are they're on the backside of the track derby morning that are tacking shoes on them ponies before they run, they got the basics. It's guaranteed. If not, they're probably not asked to shoe that morning. You know what I mean? Well, all I know is uh, Sam. I'm. I've I've seen the bills uh, that uh, my trainers have had to pay farriers, and I do know that if you're a good one, it can be a very lucrative business. So uh, I, I will advise people that if uh, their son, daughter, or themselves are, are interested and have a strong back and a will to work, that uh, the Kentucky Horseshoeing School may be the way to go. Uh, any final words before we leave? We're talking with Sam Gooding. I'm I'm good. I appreciate you calling. I, I appreciate you guys hearing us, and uh, look forward to you visiting us down here real soon. And uh, anytime you got a you got a dead moment, just give us a call, and we'll be on the other end. All right, I'll do that. Again, we're talking with Sam Gooding from the Kentucky Horseshoeing School. I appreciate his time, and I appreciate his skills. I also appreciate the handicapping skills of Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. He's going to be with us to tell us about his Preakness experiences and talk a little Cali Chrome and maybe break down a few races from across the country. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite guests. Uh, I probably impose on him too much, but... I enjoy his handicapping, I enjoy his writing, and his name is Byron King. Of course, he works for the Daily Racing Forum. He's one of the many graduates of the University of Arizona Racetrack Industry Program we've had. Uh, You may have seen his face before uh, down at uh, Sam Houston Race Park when he was the paddock host and morning line odds maker. Uh, Since then, he's covered races from across the country, and so we're going to pick his brain about California Chrome and what he saw down at the Preakness Stakes with us right now from the Daily Racing Forum, Byron King. Byron, how are you? I'm great, John, although you said they might have seen me back at Sam Houston. If they did, that was 1994. Um, a wee bit older from back then. Um, the, the the hairline's a little bit further back, you know what I mean? Oh, so, uh, you haven't lost uh, Hopefully that. they'd still recognize me. <laughs> You haven't lost a step, Byron, I'll tell you that. Well, uh, thanks again for, for joining us this evening. And uh, I know that you're kind of, you know, Louisville-based, so uh, you were there for the Derby. Now, now uh, I, I love DRF Live, and I've told people this on the air. Uh, it's like being in the press box with you guys, watching that and watching your comments. And uh, it's just kind of neat. It's like, hey, I got a buddy in the, or a couple buddies in the press box giving me updated news and everything like that. So, uh you, your your impressions of the Preakness? Oh, well, first of all, thank you. And before I start on the Preakness, I mean, as I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of uh, the racing form this week, let me start, first of all, by uh, uh, updating everybody on our technical issues that we've had. Anybody that's gone to DRF.com over the last 48 hours or so has seen that we've had some issues, and, and thankfully... So we're not back to full strength. We are able to provide PPs, and and um, we are actually giving away. There's not many free things in this world, but uh, we are giving away free past performances for Friday and Saturday at DRF.com. Um, so wow. a little bit of our way of saying um, we're very sorry for the the outage that we had with our website and. So, hey, you know, hop on there and get your PPs on Friday and Saturday and um, 
uh, we hope that the whole thing didn't, uh, you know, inconvenience uh, our, our loyal loyal fans. But anyway, wow. as far as DRF Live, that has also been one of the things that has we've been able to, um, though our main office was essentially without power in New York, we've been able to still contribute stories to DRF, uh, DRF Live and some of the the stories that fans like to read uh, are appearing on there. And and um, but back to the original question about the Preakness, you know, I guess I was very impressed, um, as everybody would be, uh, with California Chrome. I mean, how can you not? I mean, this horse is just truly um, he's truly a star of his of his age group. And I thought, you know, for him to continue to run so hard after the early move by social inclusion on the turn it essentially forced um, Victor Espinosa to have to make a half-mile run with the horse that he had a right to be fatigued and perhaps be vulnerable to ride on Curlin's rally in the lane. But, I mean, watching the overhead shot, I mean, he did not get any closer than a length and a half from him throughout the entire stretch. So, I thought it was quite a performance, and he's quite a horse, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, I know the movie's out on Mind That Bird. Uh, somebody's got to make a movie about this horse, if only for its connections. I mean, when you look at Art Sherman and the Swaps connection, and the, only the second time he'd been back at Churchill Downs after, what, uh, three, five-day trip from California to Kentucky, he was the exercise rider of Swaps. Second time he comes back, he's the trainer of the Kentucky Derby winner. Uh, the owners are, are a cast of characters. And, and the horse, horse is breeding, let's face it. Uh, you know, I know he's only one generation away from pulpit, but, I mean, this horse exactly wouldn't have brought a million dollars at the Keeneland sale. Uh, as a writer, you just got to love the storylines on, on California Chrome. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I look back and look at all the horses that have tried for this uh, final leg after winning the first two, and for those keeping score, the record is they're they're zero for the last eleven. Those that have made the gate, um, um, uh, zero for twelve if you count. Um, I'll have another who did not start. I mean, he did not start in the Belmont, but he had won the first two legs. I mean, it's obviously a pretty tough task. But I think when you compare him to those of past years in terms of style, in terms of how he's reacted from different tracks, um, just his his ability. He's such a unique horse the way he runs. He has a long stride. A lot of long striding horses don't have uh, the kind of speed that he has, much less that ability to accelerate away from his competition. I mean, he's just, just a great horse. And that's the thing I appreciate first and foremost is that. But certainly, I think when you look at trainer Art Sherman and you look at jockey Victor Espinosa, could any two people have handled themselves with more class uh, than those two guys? Uh, I, I find it very hard to believe that any of them could have. Those two have just been just an absolute dream to be around. I mean, they have just handled themselves first class. And, you know, it's easy to root for people like that. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, obviously in Art Sherman's case, he was the oldest man to win the Kentucky Derby. So I don't know how many more shots he's going to have at this kind of thing. (laughs) So I'd certainly love to see him win for sure. All right. Now, let me... uh 
again, we're talking to, to Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, let me get your read on nasal gate. Mine is, when, when Art Sherman was asked about it, I thought he changed Naira's rules immediately. We said, you know, uh, if you know Mr. Coburn, Mr. Martin, uh, they're a little superstitious, and they don't be, like to be told what to do. And quite frankly, if this horse can't wear its uh, nasal flare, uh, they might just go to the Los Alamitos Derby. <laughs> I got a feeling that the phones were ringing in New York going, hey, whatever you got to do, get this horse to the Belmont. What's your read on that? Well, I personally think, first of all, the rule was just ridiculous. I yeah. mean, denying a nasal strip, I mean, their theory behind it, the stewards at the time, was that it's not kept track in things like, you know, your program or your daily racing form PPs or your whatever PPs you use, it's not kept track of. And so they didn't want the public to be confused, are they on, is it off, or whatever, but... I mean, really, let's be serious. Do you know how many different kinds of bits there are? Or as the gentleman you just had on before, how many different kinds of shoes they run in? And I mean, for Pete's sake, I mean, it's just a piece of equipment. It costs $10. It's not as if this is what's made him the great horse that he is. And it's not as if uh, taking it off would have ruined his chances. Uh, They did the right thing, but certainly they would have had to have... um, uh, been missing marbles to have not uh, allowed that in light of <laughs> circumstances. But we should say it's not just this horse that's allowed to use the nasal strip that that anybody um, now that wants to run a horse in New York can use one too. So, and the way you sound right now, um, John, you might benefit from a nasal strip yourself <laughs> by these allergies you've yes, got, buddy. My allergies are kicking up. You know, in all those years, they never listed whether or not Pat Day wore one. That's right. And he wore them all the time, you know? He wore them all the time. Will ride so, I mean, you know, I don't, do they work? Do they not work? I don't know. But, um, you know, it, it, it was much to do about nothing. I couldn't believe in May National. It was, it was crazy. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about a horse that's going... When you're talking about a horse that's going for the Triple Crown, um, you know, these are things that come up on the phone, radio. Okay. So. You know, they, they say the most important race in New York of the year is the Preakness Stakes. And uh, certainly that, that came to bear fruit uh, this week when, when they said, look, uh, yeah, don't worry about the nasal strip. Uh, get on a van, get over here, and start working for the Belmont. Well, I know we've got some races to handicap, but I, I just want to ask ask you this, Byron. The, the horse has been taken out of his usual training regimen. Art Sherman says, I like to give my horses more race, more time between races. What do you think his chances are of going a mile and a half? Well, we're all guessing, really. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, anybody that says otherwise is not telling the truth. I mean, none of them have gone a mile and a half. Um, you really don't know. But here are the factors that I consider when I look at a horse and whether or not they're going to go a distance of ground. And what I, first of all, I, I think you want to look at their body type. You know, are they a long striding big horse? He gets a check mark for that because he is. He's a horse that does not is not what they call short coupled or you know the kind of stocky sprinter looking type. Um, secondly, you know, does he have stamina as pedigree? And though he certainly doesn't have it immediately, like I'm in in his 
uh, if you look at how far his dam went and so forth, and uh, you, you know, you wouldn't say that. But if you look deep into his pedigree, he certainly has a, um, a nice foundation of sires if you go deeper into it. Um, that would be the one question mark. But if you look at how he runs, I think some of the horses that failed, if you look back at the funny signs and so forth, they were very keen horses. They pulled. Uh, if you remember, Funny Side had also a ridiculously fast work before the Belmont, and uh, Jose Santos had to really fight him in the early stages of the race. And you can't do that in a race like the mile, a mile and a half, like the Belmont. The horse has to shut off, has to has to relax and and go and do what the rider asks him to do. Because if the rider gets in a, into a fighting match. It's not going to work. And when you look at California Chrome and how he runs, he does whatever Victor Espinosa asks him to do. Well, you want me in front? No? Okay. You want me to ease me out three wide? Okay. You know, so I think he passes just about every test on distance with the possible exception that he's not in his immediate family. Do you see, you know, he's not like, for example, a you know, a, a son of a Belmont winner and a, a half to a, uh, you know, a Belmont winner or anything like right. that. But uh, he certainly, um, I think, passes on most most categories. But, of course, we really don't know, right? And for that matter, more than likely, he'll never run this distance again. The only race of major significance now at a mile and a half is the Brook uh, um, the Brooklyn? What is it? A, you know, that's run a year later on the Belmont undercard uh, at that distance on dirt, I should say. Because of course, the Breeders' Cup Marathon doesn't exist anymore, and uh, it's just a rare race, you know. But so we're a little bit of uh, dart throwing territory in terms of who will move up or or back with the distance. Yeah, and and of course uh, the factor that you have to bring in is the the horses that are going to be coming in against him have had the chance to rest. Uh, obviously, the one you'd look at would be Commanding Curve, who, who was uh, closing on him in, in the Derby, but only because I believe that Espinosa wrapped up on California Chrome and kind of cruised the last uh, 60, 70 yards of that race after he knew he had it uh, wrapped up. There'll be, some, there'll be some other fresh hitters, but you know I think that that's, to, to me, that's the only chink in his armor is the fact that he's had to dance all three dancers and some of the competitors are going to come in with a rest. Yeah, obviously that's the case, and and it is in most, you know, most um, Belmonts. You know, the, those are the horses that they tend to be vulnerable to. But um, you know, I think we've seen, you know, we have seen uh, horses of, of of lower levels with three races in five weeks' time. I mean, there are some horses, if you look at lower-end claimers, that, you know, the idea of five weeks between races isn't absurd at all for them. Um, So I don't see any reason why a nice stout horse like California Chrome um, can't handle it. But, you know, it has has proven the undoing of some of the the past horses. But um, I would say if, you know, I mean, I would say that, my advice, though, is although I, I think he's got a better than 50-50 chance to win, he's going to be 1-5 to five and to win because everybody wants to see him win. Right. That naturally the only sound betting strategy in the race is, or, well, not the only one, there's never only one, but the soundest one, I should say, is 
you bet against him, and you celebrate if you win. And if he wins, you celebrate that you saw a Triple Crown winner. And that's the best way to handle it, you know, in my opinion. And if you want a souvenir ticket, then you bet your two bucks to, to win on him, you know. But but um, it's bet against the horse going for the Triple Crown, but be happy for him if he is successful, obviously. Absolutely. I, I would definitely in, in step with you. Well, we're uh, talking with Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum, uh, handicapper I, I respect to the utmost. And we've only got about uh, seven minutes left in this segment. Uh, <clears throat> so we're talking about a race at, at a mile and a half that horses will usually not be asked to run again, but they will be in Byron's uh, backyard in the Louisville Handicap, the grade three uh, Louisville Handicap, uh, although it's, it's on the turf. And uh, I'm looking at this race, and I noticed that uh, it's almost like a repeat of the Elkhorn Stakes at, at Keeneland. The four horses coming out of the Elkhorn are going to be here. And I guess, I guess the, the target is on War Dancers back, uh, trained by uh, Kenny McPeak horse that won, uh, did not win the Elkhorn, but looked like he was gonna and got caught late. Uh, that's a mile and a half race. Tell me who you're liking here. I, I, you know, I think this is a race that War Dancer is the most logical and the most likely winner. I thought he ran really exceptionally well on the Elkhorn. Really reversing some pretty ordinary form uh, in what had preceded his his um, you know three or four starts before that, but I think when you look at him and you look at some of the races where he didn't fire previously, you know twice they ran him on the dirt, once in the Travers. I mean they had some stars in their eyes. Uh, another race uh, they ran him. He was coming back off a layoff and may have needed that. So uh, I think the Elkhorn was more representative of, of his his talent, and this is a horse that won the Virginia Derby last year. Um, that said, I think that if he were to dip too far below five to two, I think you know I, I don't know how encouraged I would be to 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 bet him at that point uh, if he goes to you know say two to one or nine to five or something because this is a pretty wide open field, and I did have to make some excuses for some of his his failures. I you know I think that the race is. Not exceptionally tough, um, however. Um, I think you're obviously you're missing the first and third place finishers from the Elkhorn. Um, Sun Tracer, who was fourth in the Elkhorn, is a horse that hasn't won in 2013 or 2014, but he's been real close on a number of occasions and just is kind of a hard knocker. And I've always respected Chris Block as a, as a trainer of these kind of turf horses and marathoners. He's a Arlington-based guy, and um, he would be the horse that I think might offer some value if War Dancer uh, dips below his morning line. But I do think that War Dancer is the most likely winner. All right. Well, again, that was the the Louisville handicap, and I'm closing in on time. Uh, looks like I've got about five minutes left, so I'm going to put Byron's feet to the fire and see if we can't speed through at least two more races. Um, the uh, the Sheepshead Bay is going to be run uh, in New York, uh, and this one's a mile and three eighths. So we got a, another kind of long turf race. This race usually attracts a pretty interesting group, and all I can say is it did this year because as I handicapped this race, I came up with about four horses I liked. Byron King, anybody come to the top for you? And I know I'm not giving you much time. 
Oh, it's all right. Not at all. No problem at all. I think when you first of all to bring uh, your listeners up to speed, they're expecting a lot of rain up in New York, and so more than likely this will not be run on a uh, firm course. It will likely be somewhere in the good or yielding range. And usually those kinds of races favor horses that maybe had overseas form that was established uh, on such such going. And so for that reason, I like Fitful Skies. Fitful Skies is a horse that was second in the E.P. Taylor last year, which is a, a grade one up in um, Canada, and that was run on yielding ground. This is a horse that also won races on soft ground and good ground overseas. So I think clearly this is a horse that would appreciate that kind of um, that kind of going. And though he, her first race of the year was disappointing, they ran her in a Grade One at a distance shorter than what she likes, and over a course that was uh, much firmer than I think what she likes. So um, I feel very good about her chances in the Sheepshead Bay. There are a number of main track only entrants too in the race, although tracks are generally, uh, they don't want to move their graded races off the turf if they can at all uh, avoid doing so. So I would expect it to be run on a, on a wet turf course. All right, yes, I, I did note that there's at least three main track only in there. Okay, a very equally competitive race was going to happen up at Arlington Park. Hopefully they'll have uh, good weather up there. It's called the Hanshin Cup, a grade three, 150,000 at a one-turn mile. And my expectations for looking at this, and again, I'm down to like two minutes, Byron. Um, to me, Hoagie's the horse to beat. I mean, this you talk about a horse for course, seven starts at Arlington, four wins, and loves the distance as uh, four starts, two wins, and a third. And I love the, the trainer angle here. Uh, this guy's 28%. When he sprints twice and then goes long, you saw it last year at the Presque Isle Mile. He used this, and it looks like he's going to use it on Saturday in the Hanshin. Uh, interested to see who, if you like him or another horse. I've always loved this horse. I mean, I just absolutely have loved this horse. I love old uh, hard-knocking horses that, that win a lot, and he's one of them. And he's a horse that his current connections claimed for $80,000 back in November of 2012, which was quite a chunk of cash, you know. But then yeah. what did he do in 2013? He won $339,000, and this year he's, he's earned another 34000 And this is a horse that has... Just loved the synthetic over his career. Um, synthetic and turf are his; those are his surfaces. He's six for twelve on the synthetic, and if I recall, he even won a stake um, at Turfway on on Spiral Day. Um, I guess it probably would have been two or three years back, um, but that was long ago. But he has a nice prep over the track. He's going to be very tough. Um, however, there are fourteen horses entered in the race. I mean, that is a, a deep and competitive field. Um, a long shot that I kind of like, um, nowhere near as probable a winner, but Sir absolutely is 20 to 1, and this is a horse that that won at Keeneland on the poly uh, very nicely, came from off the pace, just really was very impressive that day, and I think is another horse that, is a is a synthetic specialist. He's made ten starts on these kinds of tracks. He's got five wins on them, three seconds, one third, 
granted he's never run in a graded stakes like this on it, but uh, he's just an honest horse. And, you know, if you want to overlook the step up in class, he's 20 to 1. Well, Byron, I thank you so much, and I, I thank you for being able to put 10 pounds in a 5-pound bag for us, and uh, certainly your uh, your comments and uh, introspection into uh, California Chrome and his chance in, in the Belmont Stakes. And, uh, and like I said, I'm not just blowing smoke, buddy. You're one of my favorite guests here on Winning Ponies, and thank you so much for, for being on us, uh, with us again. Hey, it's my pleasure, and uh, John, I hope you... You can shake those sniffles, my friend, and definitely all your listeners, you know, bear with us at the Racing Forum as we get all our IT stuff uh, worked out. In the meantime, come enjoy some free pass performances on us and um, check out the Friday and Saturday racing. Just go to DRF.com and you guys can get some PPs. So. There you go. Free PPs, compliments of the Daily Racing Forum, and announced to you by Byron King. Hey, you got the Saturday card, the Friday card. Go get them. And don't forget, at Winning Ponies, we are adding real-time results starting this week. Well, thanks again for joining us, and thanks again to uh, Sam Gooding from the Kentucky Horseshoeing School and Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.